Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com, Thursday edition. Sorry for the delay there. Just uh, putting a quick little Facebook update status report via the Twitter, working on the social hemisphere, the blogosphere, whatever the hell you call it. I don't know what I'm doing. What's the old story? A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. That would definitively be me on social media. we got a lot to talk about today. It's not a football Friday yet, but it's the day before. A lot of football preview on the docket. College and professional. White Sox lose. Wild card baseball races. Monica Lewinsky's writing a new book, a tell-all brother. And uh, also, I have a movie review, David. I did finally, finally, belatedly watch the Three Stooges movie. Outstanding. We'll talk about all that and more on the TalkZone.com. Two guys that I might show a little bit of music. And then we'll kick off in the 28-yard line. No music. Why are you shaking your head? Because you ran all the music out on the delay there. That's so right. it's going to end in about five seconds. Let me listen to the last three seconds. All right. Thank you very much. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Thursday edition of the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Very, very excited for a football Friday tomorrow. Big dog, i got to tell you, I started uh, previewing some of the college football matchups for the weekend. Last weekend, kind of a little bit of a dud, not much going on, but uh, the juices started flowing. When I started reading some of the uh, matchups and games coming up this weekend, very excited for a Saturday of football. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm just surprised that you're excited for anything. It's like every week you're complaining, oh, the World Series yeah. isn't what it used to be, the yep. U.S. Open isn't what it used to be, all these horrible college matchups. Even though Michigan State, Notre Dame, there was a bunch of great games last week. Mm-hmm. You need to be a little happier. Yeah, all right. I, I will uh, take that criticism, absolutely. I have become a little jaded in my uh, elderly life, particularly jaded with professional sports, I agree. Yeah. I've always been jaded, but I, I don't get upset about my distraction. Mm-hmm. I, I'm jaded about our government, not about uh, the whoever Notre Dame is oh, playing. Brother, there's there, there's a lot them. a lot to jade when we talk about the government. We could run into a sports guys talk politics. We'll see. I don't know if we'll have time for, it, but a no, lot going. Do that. A lot going on. You're right about that. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. You want to join us, fans out there? Feel free to. Give us a call, Big Dog and a Coach. Anything on your mind off the sports page or on, we're right here for you. Again, 888-463-6748. You mentioned Michigan State and Notre Dame, Big Dog. Well, that game was all Notre Dame, but we have a similar matchup minus the state. It's Michigan at Notre Dame, maybe the marquee matchup. Irish football back, question mark? Well, if they win this game, they have a very good chance of being undefeated going to Oklahoma in late October, which would be one heck of a matchup. Notre Dame hasn't been undefeated late in the season in a long time because they win this game, they got a, they'll be favored big time in like their next four or five matchups. Mm-hmm. Are you sure about that? Because I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I remember when it was posted, I made this comment last week. I complimented Notre Dame, even though I root against them now because their coach is a complete knucklehead, but I complimented him. 
that their schedule upgrade very few patsies. And, you know, I, I don't know about powerhouses, but there were teams like Syracuse, I want to say, and teams of that ilk, which by no means, I mean, you can't just say, oh, those are three or four easy wins in a row. Teams like that can knock you off. They will be favored all the way up to the Oklahoma game. So this is like the last all right, well, really, really like game that somebody could really trip them up in. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, against Syracuse, they'll be a 13-point favorite. Yeah, but that's not prohibitive. I mean, it would not shock the world. It would be a mild, maybe a temperate upset for Syracuse to beat Notre Dame. And Syracuse well, is a decent my, team. My point is, if, Michigan, if Notre Dame wins this game, they're going to be undefeated yep. and all of a sudden be back in the national title yes. contention. That, yep. that is my statement. How about yes. that, everyone? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you're right about that. It's been a while since Notre Dame has done that. The Irish... Faithful, getting excited. You know with that win on the road last week that the uh, home crowd, which uh, Big Dog has been disappointed an awful lot the last five, ten years. I mean, they've laid some eggs. They really have. But you can be sure the home crowd will be fired up. The leprechaun will be jumping around on the sidelines. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times people tried to give me Notre Dame tickets over the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even take them. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's, uh... I remember you turned down the Notre Dame tickets for, I think, to go to a Chicago Sky game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Sky Guy was really happy. Yeah, by the way, in my pocket right now, if you're interested, uh, big, I better rephrase that. Uh, <laughs> in my pocket right now, I'm pulling them out for the TV audience to see. Four tickets to Breast Cancer Awareness tonight tonight at the Chicago Sky Game. If you're interested in joining me right now, I can't get anybody, so it'll be me sitting with three empty seats, but I'll be wearing a pink shirt. Chicago Sky Game tonight as they hang on possibly. For one more playoff spot. Any chance you'll join me and hold hands? Their season is still going on. I believe. Well, don't forget. There was a one-month break for the Olympics. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Uh, but at any rate, Notre Dame football are back indeed. You can't give those tickets away anymore. It'll be interesting to see how they perform against the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Interesting ball game, And I still think they got some challenges coming up. By the way, Oklahoma, the team you mentioned, they got a pretty uh -huh. good game this weekend. They're playing... Kansas State. Now, I haven't followed Kansas State that much, but they're ranked top 15. They're undefeated. Wildcat football in Manhattan, Kansas is back. Big Doug, I don't know if you know anything about them this year, but I know they're yeah. good. Yeah, they're, they're the same quarterback from last year. They basically have a right-handed Tim Tebow playing quarterback there, a, a, a guy that is like 6'4", 260 pounds and is really quick, uh -huh. and he runs people over while he plays quarterback. That's the kid is massive, and then I remember last year they were playing Oklahoma State, and remember they gave Oklahoma State the scare yep. last year early on, and the quarterback ran for like five touchdowns, and I'm not kidding you, that's the same kid. So mm -hmm. uh, Kansas State could definitely beat Oklahoma and put the first chink in their armor. Yep, that game is at Manhattan, Kansas, and as you know, Big Dog, very few people travel into Manhattan, Kansas and make it, make it out without uh... – you know, their head at least bobbled a little bit. Yeah, well, when you go in there and all you see is the university <laughs> and there's nothing else in the town. Yes. I mean, it's like going to Northwestern. It's like they lull you to sleep. Next thing you yeah. know, Northwestern's up by, you know, 25 points Boy. in the middle of the third quarter. You're like, well, I forgot that we we're actually in a Division One <laughs> football game. And I'm not making fun of Northwestern, no. or, but it's true. It, and it was, they're both called Wildcats, and they both wear purple. I can it's speak to it firsthand because we did some college visits with my older son now. We uh, went to Kansas, and we said, eh, you know, we're an hour and a half away. Let's check out Kansas State. So we did a visit there, got the tour around campus, beautiful campus, although it was extremely white. 
apparently uh, other nationalities haven't discovered Manhattan, Kansas, but a lovely campus, nice medium size. But you are correct. You go outside the campus in uh, Manhattan. Tweet. Tweet. How come? How come when uh, white Tweet. people say, "Oh, it was really white. It's bad," but like it's okay for like, "Oh," when a black person says, "Oh, there's nothing about African Americans here. I feel good here." Why is why is it that white Wait. people always rip on themselves right. and other like people of different colors I'm, are always happy to see like uh I missed the last part of that. I heard your initial comparison, but like black people yeah, say like, what? You know like I like I understand like I like a like a, one of my friends was like well, I went to more hospitals there's not black people there. It was awesome for me. My buddy J Lou. You know, and I just don't understand like I, I hear a lot of white people be like, Oh, it was just it was all lily white. I, I didn't want to mm-hmm. really so I just don't understand why white people don't like white people. Well, no, no, it's not a matter of don't like. It's a matter of a little bit unrealistic as compared to what American society, if you walk the streets of a, most American cities now, Big Dog, we are, uh, you know, the melting pot has become even more melty. No, I, I, I have no problem with that. Yes. And, uh, and, I, and I agree with that, but I'm like, how come white people are the only color people that, like, are upset when they see, like, all their same color? Well, because the white, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but it is a state. That's only a comment a white person would make, just to let you know. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. But I agree with you on Manhattan, Kansas, by the way. Um, uh, 888-463-6748, leading off the show with a little college football talk, some good game. My uh, game of the weekend, I predict. Oregon, on the road, taking on Arizona, the Wildcat, another Wildcat, Arizona football, revived. And you know who their new coach is, Big Doug? Yeah, it's Rich Rod. <laughs> I love the way you say that, with a little a little venom. But, yeah, Rich Rod, excellent at West Virginia, a complete bust at Michigan. Is this his first or second year at Arizona? It's his first year. It's his first right. year. He couldn't he's... get a job right after Michigan fired his ass. Yep. <laughs> but uh, he's got Arizona football back. It's going to be at home, I predict. I think Oregon's going to win, but I think that will be an entertaining, maybe down to the final quarter matchup. So you're really not predicting anything? No. Well, I'm predicting it's going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I mean, I don't know. what Oregon's probably favored by what, a couple touchdowns? Uh, they, at least 15. Mm-hmm. At Arizona? Yeah, at Arizona. Right. I uh, the Arizona knocking off Oregon was like my game of the year a couple of years <laughs> ago. And, and that they, in Oregon almost, it was the thing was, when Oregon goes to Arizona, it's always a tough game. Mm-hmm. And Arizona has one of the cooler uh, uh, home stadiums in all of college football. Yep, it's the, the fans are right on top of the field, and because mm-hmm. it's Arizona, they play at night. So the fans think about this: when they started, when those games start at eight o'clock Pacific time, it's like it's like ten o'clock Central time. Think about that. Mm-hmm. So, and these kids have been watching college football all day long and drinking. Arizona and Arizona State are some of the wildest fans in all of college football because those kids drink for 12 hours yep. before the game starts. Yeah, those 8 o'clock games for um, the college kids, woo, that can be a little yeah. bit, a little bit too much pregame preparation. You know, in Arizona and Arizona State, you know, it gets a little wild. But, like, at LSU, mm-hmm. when they play it at, at night, oh, my, they drink the moonshine for, like, 12 hours. That's yep. completely different, Coach. Yep. There's one thing being drunk. There's another one being a whole totally different person. Yeah, the LSU fans, they are uh, they, they take rabidity. I don't know if rabidity is a word, the four-extension letter derivative of rabid, but they take rabidity 
to a new level. I remember way, way, way back when, when I went to Tulane University for a couple of years, back then the Tulane LSU game was huge. I don't know if it still is, but it was huge. Uh, well, they play every year, and it's, it's a rivalry game, and they play for a trophy. But yeah. how, how much of a rivalry is it when LSU has their third stringers in in the middle of the third quarter? Yeah, fourth? exactly. Exactly. But I, I can just remember, you know, and the Tulane fans, we were your typical college football fan. I, you know, hear me, I, coming from the Midwest, I had no idea as an 18 year old kid. And I experienced the LSU fans and, uh, and their, uh, intensity outside the Sugar Bowl stadium camping out and just it, it to a completely different level than anything around here in the Midwest. I, 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 it's, it's 10 times worse than it was, I think, 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I, I, right at the College World Series, I realized LSU fans are not to be messed with. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, speaking of not to be messed with, um, flipping around the channels, and I caught Brian Gumbel. I know a show you appreciate. The, uh, what's it called? Real Real Sports? Oh, I can't watch Brian Gumbel. I can't stand that. I can't stand him. But you enjoy I, it? I don't watch, I don't watch a, sink, a single second of anything that has to do with Brian Gumbel. Really? I thought, I I thought you were a fan of Real Sports. Him. Why would you think I would like Brian Gumbel? No, I said forget Brian Gumbel. I thought you were a fan of the Real Sports Show. Outside of hosting. I, I can't watch it because of Brian okay. Gumbel gets all pompous on there and crosses his legs all goofy and pulls yeah. out the, the sheet. And then, uh, yeah. you know, Frank DeFord goes on and on about, oh, no, I can't. Yeah, all right, but, uh, but I can. Mary Carrillo is the only thing on that show worth watching. Yeah, I certainly cool. haven't watched it in 10 years. She's cool. And I, I actually enjoyed Bernie Goldberg until I saw him on the Bill O'Reilly show last night and found out he's an ultra-conservative, too. I'm kidding, of course. But uh, uh, but beyond that, the, the the segments that they do, Big Doug, are really good. They're really well done. And, and forgetting if you like Brian Gumbel or not, the point I'm trying to make is in their most recent one, they do a segment on fan violence at the games. And their leadoff feature story is the unbelievably tragic story of the Giants fan who got... Brian Snow. No? Dodger Brian fan? No. Huh? Brian Snow was his name. He oh, was a okay. Fan at a I, I thought you were saying no. Yeah, uh, you know, so that was the the lead story. You see where he is now, and in a wheelchair, and he will never regain the mental capacity. But it's a lot of it is people wearing the opposing team's uniform into another stadium. Hopefully, I'm, I say this ridiculous. Hopefully, the opposing fan or the home fans that beat on these guys are doing it under the influence of alcohol. Because if they're not, that's even worse. But a lot of it is people just wearing jerseys in a road game and getting harassed and sometimes beaten up. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. People need to learn from the Cub Cardinal rivalry. I've gone down the to like St. Louis games in my Cub gear, and I have hundreds of people taunting me and making fun of me. And then a minute later, they're buying me a beer with their arm yep. around me. Yep. Talk about how great it is to live in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. And I, I go to I, like these Cardinal fans come to Cub games. They sit in front of me, and I make fun of them. I was like, "How many? How many cousins do you have that actually have all their teeth?" And they start laughing. You know what I mean? Next, you know, we're like drinking, having a good time, and then they remind me, "When was the last time your team won the World Series?" Mm-hmm. And then we laugh and joke about the stuff. Cub Cardinal is the best rivalry in all of sports. You've never heard about violence at yeah. those games. Now you you throw the White Sox into a Cub game, and all of a sudden there's fights in the streets and stuff. It's ridiculous. Cub Cardinal is, is the way rivalry should be. And, you know, a buddy of mine went to a Green Bay game the other the Green Bay Bears game, and was said that, like, the whole day, like, Packer fans were taunting them and making fun of them, and 
one Packer fan got out of line, mm-hmm. and like ten Packer fans jumped up and like sit your ass down. Good. Good. Yes, David. Yeah, and on the con side of what he's saying, you know, about, you know, the friendly rivalry would be one of the guys that they showed on the real sports piece where the guys wearing the Rangers uniform got, like, the crap kicked out of them by Flyers fans on video. Yeah. On video. Well, they showed some unbelievable uh, fights in the stands. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was unbelievable. fans are unreal. Yeah. Most of hockey fans. Well, there there was. the Dodger fans and Chavez Ravine. Oh, Oh, my goodness. You know, it, historically, Dodger Stadium parking lot is the worst spot in sports. Hmm. Now, you can't name a worst parking lot. The only one that you can come up with is uh, Alameda County Stadium in Oakland. Mm-hmm. That's the only one. Those Dodger Stadium and those two. You, you Legitimately, you cannot wear opposing uh, gear out there if you're by yourself because someone's going to jump you and kick crap out of you. And the, all of a sudden, there'll be 500 people that are no longer witnesses because it was Which, a, I mean, uh, really, you know, a Dodger fan that got beat up. When, you think, when you think about it, it's just it's just absurd slash ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Yeah. you got so little of a life that you played yes. so little sports in your life that you got to go beat somebody up because they're where. Why didn't you play? You know, people who played like high school football and baseball don't do that. It's mm-hmm. people who couldn't yep. that are still upset about it that do stuff like that. Yeah. You are completely correct, my friend. Uh, by the way, if you want to catch a little college football early, Big Dog, early, as we mentioned, some of the matchups, don't forget tomorrow, football Friday, we'll make our Beat the Schmoes football picks. Any of our fans out there you want to talk some college football, dial it up right now. We'll get you on. 888 Big Dog on ESPN NU tonight, Arkansas Pine Bluff against Alabama State. You also have uh, on the CBS Sports Network, Truman State. Taking on Central Michigan, I'm taking Truman State and giving up the points. And BYU at Boise State, 8 o'clock on ESPN. So you get a little college football fix tonight, my friend. That, that's a heck of a game, uh, Boise State and BYU tonight. That'll be a very good game. You know, at the best game of the week every single week, every week since they've had Friday Night Football is the Friday Night Football game. Mm-hmm. Every week it comes down to the last possession, overtime, and all that stuff. And, and I also realize something. The guys on Friday night, Joe Tessitore and Rod Gilmore, you know, they always brag about how great their game is, and, and they're right. Like, every time I watch a Friday night game, I'm just amazed that it comes out in the last second. Something else always happens. If you work a Friday night game, do you know what you get to do? You get to sit your butt down as a commentator. You get to call a great game everybody's watching, and then on Saturday you get to watch all the college football. It's a good game. Where if, you know what I mean? That's the People forget yeah. that if you're calling one of the games, you miss half the games throughout the day. It's true. And I, I, so I just, if there was any job in football that I would want to have, it would be the color analyst of the Friday night game. Mm-hmm. That would be awfully good. And then on Sunday, you watch pro football, and then on Monday, you start watching replays of college Not football. Not a bad gig. Not a bad yeah. gig. Do a little prep work during the week. Do your game on Friday night. Sit back on Saturday, knowing you've done a job well done, and enjoy the games from start to finish. Yeah, it's all good. I likes it. I likes mm-hmm. it. Uh, let's move over real quick to the NFL. And again, tomorrow we'll get into a little bit more of the matchups and stuff. Football Friday, tomorrow, big weekend, uh, week three of the NFL. And by the way, tonight we should mention, uh, I think, right? Thursday night football, Carolina and the Giants. We mentioned that last week, Big Dog. That's kind of a entertaining matchup, actually. Yeah, that, that, that is. And, and the Giants defense, which has been just like horrid so far this year, goes up against one of the best offenses in football and, and, in well, Carolina, so who knows what's going to happen there. 
Eli might have to throw for 600 yards tonight if they're going to win this game. He's going to have a little bit of trouble because I'm reading the injury report here. The Giants have five guys out, including running back Ahmad Bradshaw and wide receiver Hakeem Nix. So well, that's not good for no. the fans. I mean, that's not good for the Giants. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you think the spread on that game? Let's see if I can find it. Probably uh, uh... The Panthers have got to be a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Really? I don't know if I can find the spread here, but you're a three-and-a-half-point favorite? Now, Giants by a point and a half. Now, I don't know if this spread is prior to the injuries or not. they got the Giants at Carolina, Giants by a point and a half. I like the Panthers in that game. Mm-hmm. All right. got to watch Cam Newton. I, you know, a little bit highlights last year, but uh, uh, need to sit down and watch him play a full NFL game so I can get some analysis. And one of my favorite ex-bears, the uh, head coach in his second year of the Carolina Panther. we got to root for him a little bit, Ron Rivera. Yeah, and... Uh... Rod Rivera, you would think, oh, defensive player, defensive minded. Uh, no, he's like an, uh, I, I know he's a defensive player and defensive coordinator, but they are like an offensive first team coach. They're going to try to outscore you. And mm-hmm. Rivera knows that's the type of team he has. So that's what he's going with. You got to, you got to mm-hmm. kind of like that. That's pretty cool that, uh, he goes, he's going to end up being a good, that proves he's going to be a good coach that he, he concentrates on the team's strength. And that's uh, that's how he tries to win with. So well, it's a little bit like we said, I think, on Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is so confident in his offensive um, game plan that he would rather have, you know, give me the studs on defense. And and I'll work with who you give me. And I'll, I'll score some points. I need some guys on defense. I think it might be a little bit the same with our guy Ron Rivera, uh, you know, that he's so confident in his defensive scheme. He's been a defensive coordinator in the NFL for many a years that, you know, get me some skilled players, score some points in offense, I'll find a way on defense to stop you. It also shows you that uh, Jim Harbaugh is extremely smart for the simple fact that for I don't know how many different teams and coordinators, Alex Smith was horrible. At, ooh, yep. they got Mike March. Obviously, Alex Smith, the number one overall pick, will be great because they got the mad genius Mike March. Well, Jim Harbaugh comes in there and is like, you know what? Why don't we run the ball? And all of a sudden, Alex Smith has the best season he's ever had as a professional. Yep. How about this? The only good season he ever had as a professional mm-hmm. is when they decided to come in and start running the football. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Alex Smith was a good NFL quarterback last year. And a lot of people predicting that he will fall by the wayside this year. But uh, so far, anyways, two games into it, it looks like he's picking up right where he left off last year. Year not phenomenal, but good enough producing, making clutch throws when you need to. You're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Dial what up, folks? Big uh, big dog and the coach. By the way, we should mention the forty year old Joel Radwanski celebrating the big four zero as you have officially entered the realm of middle age. Big dog, how does it feel one week into it? Uh, I hit middle age when I was twenty eight. <laughs> A little bit earlier than the rest of us, huh? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's all good. Well, you know what they say about middle age, Dave? Don't worry about middle age. You'll outgrow it. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Bears. Bears. Cardinals coming up on uh, Sunday. I love the... <laughs> I Bears, love the Cardinals. Rams, I'm sorry. I love okay. the talk. Uh, you know, what is it? Defining moment. It's a defining game for the Bears. And I love Roberto Garza's comment on the paper today. Just very kind of off the cuff, subtly goes. Isn't it a little bit early for a defining game? But you know, we Bear fans get a little excited. But uh, we'll... yeah, if it's against the Packers, yes, it is a defining game. Not against a team that is not in your division yes. that won two games last season. Yeah. Okay. 
that's not a defining game. Yeah. <laughs> but, but by the way, you know, I work out with all these guys, and there's so many different stories I wish I can tell you from the stuff I hear at East Bank Club, all these freaking celebrities and stuff that come in here. But I will tell you this about Roberto Garza. In the months of June and July, before camp started in July, he was at East Bank Club every single day. And to this point, I still never saw him work out at I was, all. I was going to ask, weight room or cafeteria? I wouldn't call that a cafeteria. Uh, but I would definitely, he would be up on the sun deck a lot, ah, too. Ah, okay. Chilling in there, like, you know, and he would have, like, his, like, like bear stuff on. I'm not kidding you. He'd wear, yeah. like, his bear hat, his bear shorts, his bear T-shirt, everything Chicago Bears. And he was more than happy to let everybody know he was Roberto Garza. And I'm like, Roberto, maybe when you're in the weight room it would be cool, <laughs> but when you're up here drinking freaking tequila, for four hours straight reading the newspaper. <laughs> we don't want to hear that you're a Chicago Bear. Oof. All right. So just thought I'd throw that. And by the way, I'm bigger than he is. Wow. Roberto Garza is tiny. He's wow. got, he can't weigh more than 275 pounds. In defense, in defense of Roberto Garza, I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, professional athletes, especially in season, if they're going to do weight training, they're doing it at said facility, not at a place like East Bank Club. So hopefully he's getting his work in, and maybe East Bank is a retreat for him. That is an excellent point, Coach. Now the fact that he sits around the sun deck in a uh, Chicago Bears Speedo and Chicago Bears Zuba, that's a little bit concerning. I didn't say Speedo, anyone. Yeah, well, you know. Indianapolis, by the way, their offensive line, from what I was reading about Big Doug and my preparation for today's show at about 9.58, two minutes before the show, their offensive line is shot for shoot, too. What's wrong with Constanzo? Pardon me? They got one of the best offensive linemen in the whole game of football. Well, line, line men. But you so got to have five guys. Really I think they're, they're, what I read, their left tackle, the guy who'll be blocking a gentleman known as Julius Peppers, I believe. So you mean the St. Louis Rams have a really bad. Oh, why offense. do I keep saying the Cardinals? Sorry about that. No, you said the Colts that time. I know when you said the Cardinals, because the Cardinals. Used to play back yes, in St. Louis in well, 1987. <laughs> is Aeneas, who's going to cover Aeneas Williams today, Big Duck? Or Sunday? Well, Aeneas Williams was the corner, so he wasn't a wide receiver. Ah, there, there you go. <laughs> uh, at any rate, the left tackle playing for the St. Louis Rams, from what I heard, uh, was playing in the Arena Football League about three weeks ago. Oh, the Rams have had such a bad offensive line. They've tried out guys like Alex Barron, and you name it. Oh, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, the Bears should be able to dominate the offensive line of the Rams. You're 100% right about that. But here's the thing. Do you remember, like, a couple of years ago when the Bears were just killing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Buccaneers offensive line? So the Buccaneers decided to run the three-step drop and throw the hitch, like, yep. 70 times with Brian Greasy? Yep. Remember when the well, that's that. Well, the Rams did that with Danny Amendola last week. So, hopefully, the Bears have a way to adjust when teams go to one, two, three step drops to get mm-hmm. the ball out. Yeah, and the Bears were too dumb to do it last year. When I Mike was going to say, hope, hopefully, number two, Mike Tice, Mike Tice will uh, watch some tape of that and figure out what he should have done. Yeah, exactly, exactly right, Coach. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, it's very easy when you're the O line coach, but now that he's the offensive coordinator. You know, week one he came off okay, but all of a sudden, I, you know, he, he survived the heat of week two. But a couple of more games like that, uh, besides the head coach, the offensive play caller for the Chicago Bears over the years, that's been a, a much maligned position, big dog. Mike Tice, welcome to the high chair. Um, now, a couple things we haven't mentioned. One, well, first of all, speaking of offensive line, 
Not sure if you're aware or not, but the Bears brought in another left tackle. I did not. I was not aware of this. As a backup. The kid's name is Jonathan Scott. Apparently played for the Detroit Lions. He's been out of football, I think. But they got a guy in now, obviously sending a message to Jamarcus. Don't call me LaMarcus Webb. Jonathan Scott. You ever heard of him? Uh, I've heard of a Jonathan Scott. He played on the Baltimore Ravens also. Okay. All right. So. And, and, uh, at, at this point, it, it really, really sucks that they couldn't figure out that they didn't have any offensive tackles for the first six weeks before game one started. You, you know how hard it is now they got to, in order for this guy to contribute, he's going to have to learn the offense get back into shape, and then know all the signal calls with his, with the tackle, the left guard next to him, and what the center is saying. It's not easy, and I do not expect him to replace Jamarcus Webb, anybody. Okay. There, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. anybody that a team is picking up right now that was out of football, mm-hmm. unless they're a kicker, a punter, or a return man, is not going to help your team very much. He's a kicker. He's a punter. Or he's a, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, and the other factor about it, we've seen the last couple of years, the Bears play some just atrocious offensive line games. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen them come back and bounce back a week later. And I'm not saying be great, but they make adjustments and they play significantly better. That has happened. Hopefully will again, but we've seen that the last couple of years. Yeah, without a doubt. If, I don't, if anybody doesn't remember, after week five last year, the, the, the Bears had just been absolutely humiliated by the New York Giants, and then the Detroit Lion, uh, uh, Averill and Dominican Sue killed them on Monday night, and then after that, the offensive line played really good football for five weeks straight. Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving up on these guys. Yep. I'm not, but my point is, I think we're going to be seeing still more Demarcus Webb for a long time before we're ever going to okay. see Jonathan Scott. Okay. All right. Well, we're rooting for him. Good guy. Let's hope Jamarcus can uh, turn it around. Rooting for him, no question about it. Now, speaking of rooting for, rooting against, now, you know, I, I've been on Jay Cutler when everybody else was all frilly about it. You're kind of with me, big dog. And I was never a Jay Cutler fan. But I will say this. After the past week's game, big dog, the buildup started, you know, Sunday night. And then it built on Monday and built on Tuesday, and it's gone national. But the Jake Cutler negativity, this is coming from someone who was not a Jake Cutler fan, even when everybody else was, is way, way over the top. Things gotten out of control. It's become a national story, not Cutler and his ability, but Cutler and his attitude or lack thereof. It, 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 it's ridiculous. I, like, like I said, they keep showing the clip of him yelling at Jamar as well, but they always cut it. Right before they end it with him mm-hmm. slapping Jamarcus Webb on the on the ass and laughing, it's it, it, it go, it's these people are always reaching for a story, and every time it can be controversial, uh, news people try to push the controversial story. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to hear that the the Chicago Bears have a defensive lineman in Julius Peppers who's well thought out, well spoken, gives back to charity, and is uh, one of the best defensive linemen in the game. No, they would rather hear the story that Jay Cutler. Uh, is hated by his teammates when it's totally not true. It's just such BS. I, I'm no. so sick of this Cutler stuff. I'm sick of it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's going and, and over. You're the... right. Does, does his demeanor and all that look bad? Everyone. Yes, it does. But the, the, when they keep showing the clip when he wasn't doing anything wrong, it starts to bother me, Coach. 
Well, I think he was doing something wrong, but I'm I'm agreeing with you. They've shown it way too much, and they built that thing. But up. my point is, why do they always cut it right when they when yeah, they get good? You know what? Well, we've been through this before. I don't want to get into that again. But your point is well taken. It's just it's way overblown, way too much. Whether they've cut that little incident out or not, it still is. It's it's way too much. However, and for, and for anybody that says they wouldn't be yelling at their offensive tackle, let me run into that person ten times and have it be the fault of somebody else. And after I run the 10th time, see if that person still all go, oh, yeah, my offensive tackle is doing a great job. Way to go, buddy. You can do it. Just hang in there. After a while, when you get a helmet in your ribs by Clay Matthews, after like, coach, he was just dropping back and planting, and Clay Matthews is putting his helmet in his back. You know what? Sometimes you lose control. Mm-hmm. All, all James Jones did was run the wrong route, and Aaron Rodgers went freaking ballistic. No one's getting on Aaron Rodgers. Oh, because they won. Now, in week one, when, when Jay Cutler was yelling at his offensive line after the first two series, and they came back and, and played great offensive football, nobody had a problem with Jay Cutler uh, yelling at his offensive line in the mm-hmm. first quarter. So all they need to do is win against the, uh, the Cardinals. you got me doing it now. Yeah. But they beat the Rams. <laughs> they beat the Rams, and Jay yeah. Cutler throws for three touchdowns. Yeah. And now next week, oh, look, Jay Cutler, this is so ridiculous. Well, I, I do know there's knee-jerk reactions because there's only 16 games in the NFL, and each game is ridiculously important. But you know what? It, sometimes teams get their ass handed to them, and the, and the Bears did last weekend. Yeah, but it, but the, the story went beyond it, and, and there is some truth to it that you know Cutler's attitude can affect the team. And it was interesting how very, very few players, finally Brandon Marshall yesterday, very few players actually – spoke up for Jay Cutler. And I'm not saying they all hate him, but he, he's definitely not the most likable guy. How about D.J. Moore? I thought this was interesting. Now, you heard about him speaking out a couple days ago, right? No, I did not. You didn't. All right. D.J. Moore in the locker room being interviewed after practice basically criticized Cutler for getting on Jamarcus Webb. That's not what you do to your teammates. I think DJ said something about when I came in as a bear, you know, Cutler didn't have anything to say to me, didn't treat me very well, et cetera. So yesterday, Lovey Smith calls him in. And DJ's quotes, Coach basically just told me that you can't say that because we're a team. And uh, Lovey's son, Mikhail Smith, is the Nickelbacks coach. That's how specialized pro football is now. We actually have a coach for the Nickelbacks. <laughs> I mean, I, they, they play once out of every three or four plays, and there's only one or two of them, but we have a full-time job. I'm sure McCall is probably getting paid 30000 a year, 40000 a year. No, to no, no, no. He, he makes at least seven. How much? At least 70000 I doubt it. To coach the Nickelbacks? Yes, coach. Oh, that's brutal. All right, but, but here's the interesting part. After the talking to with coach, D.J. Moore, Moore, however, stood by his statements. I don't regret anything Moore said. I don't really mind what people think or what people feel about what I said. But people are acting like this is football, so just calm down. So he did not back down on a statement even after uh, the master Yoda, Lovey Smith, gave him a little talk to. Very interesting. That's not a good sign for the no. Bears. No, it is not. No, it is not. By the well, way, we finally, get, we finally get a quarterback, and now... You know, I, I didn't know about the whole team not backing them up and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. Because I, I, I really don't have – I am all about the team and, and picking people up and yep. patting them on the back. I really am. But I also understand 
that when you're getting hit by the same guy over and over again, you might lose control mm-hmm. and 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 say something stupid. And, and once again, I'm going to remind you, how come all these Jay Cutler incidents happen when he yells and screams at his teammates are during night games? Good point. Like I said again, he's a juvenile diabetic, and if these teammates, why the hell they have not figured out that during night games he sucks and during day games he's awesome is a more problem on the, the Bears' preparation for games than it is on Jay Cutler. Bobby from Bolingbroke, clearly not a Jay Cutler fan, just texted in and said uh, Joel got it half right. Apparently when you called him a juvenile diabetic. Wow. 888-463-6748. We'll talk more Bears and Rams, not Cardinals, tomorrow. We'll preview that, make our beat the schmoes football picks, and look at some of the other uh, quality NFL games that are out there. Big dog, real quick, in the baseball world now is uh, the wild card races. Division races really getting interesting. Some good stuff happening here. we got to talk a little baseball. First of all, you're well aware of the White Sox getting shut out last night. The five-game winning streak is over. Bruce Chen. I didn't know he was still in the major leagues. Bruce Chen. Coach, Coach, he sucked his whole career. Did you know that last year he won like 17 games? He was like 17 and 6 with an ERA just above 3. Bruce mm-hmm. Chen. And now this year he's went back to his normal Bruce Chen years, but he was good yesterday. Real good yesterday. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he's got to be up in you. I was shocked. I thought it was going to be another Chen, but... Uh... At any rate, Royals knock them off. Detroit Tigers now, who were slumping, they've turned it around a little bit. They win again yesterday, knocking off the Oakland A's six to two. So the Tigers have got the lead down to two games, and I think a pretty. I know we're concentrating on football this weekend, but White Sox at the Anaheim Angels, who are also fighting to get into that wild card spot, that could be a pretty good little weekend series in Anaheim. Yeah, they're and uh, and. Like the White Sox match up again. They got Dan Heron in the first game. I mean, it's going to be it's a real important series for everybody out there because the Rangers have not put the Angels away, uh, uh, and you never know what's going to happen out there. The what? The White Sox they they don't have any reason right now to fear anyone. The only thing they have to fear is if uh, other people in the Detroit Tigers start doing the Miguel Cabrera workout, which is drink until seven in the morning, <laughs> wake up. And just hit everything in sight. Oh my goodness. Coach, you know, I, I don't know if you've realized this because you know, you more than anybody that I talk to about sports, you're the only one who will ever bring it up. You'll be like, hey, there's a someone with a chance to win the triple yes, crown. Yes, I had that in my Did notes. You realize for Miguel Cabrera has a chance to win the triple crown this year. And we've said chance in the past with the chance being outside right now. Yeah, they are like really, really outside. Yes, chance. he's got, I mean, he's got a real solid, he leads in batting. Yes. By about five or six points over Mike Trout. He's got 133 RBIs. He's first in RBIs. I'm not sure what his lead is there. I think it's... No, no, his, his RBI lead is, like, solid. Like, okay. He's not going to lose the RBI lead wow. unless he doesn't get pitched to the rest of the season. All right. He's hitting it's home like, runs. It's like, a six or, it's like six to ten. I'll, I can find out here in a minute. And he's jacking the ball out of the park on a regular basis. Hit another one yesterday. The day before he hit two, he's got 41 on the season. He is one behind Joshua T. Hamilton. Of the Oakland and, and Josh Hamilton, if the Rangers end up wrapping it up, he's all banged up. He's got a bad knee, a bad elbow, bad shoulder from diving into walls this year. He's not going to play every game the rest of the season. Wow. And let's face it, Josh Hamilton had, what, 26 home runs on, like, June 1st? Yep. And he's, you know, he's only has 42 home runs now. The, the, 
there's a real good chance Cabrera can pass Josh Hamilton in the last 10 mm-hmm. games of the season, only down one homer. Don't forget, you got Adam Dunn, too, who could get hot and play into that. I think Dunn's got 39. And he's, he's right up there, too. He's yeah. definitely in the, he's right in the mix. He yep. can, he can, yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch. Amazing. We haven't had, uh, correct me if I'm wrong now, is Ted Williams the last Triple Crown winner? Uh, he was a left fielder for the Boston Red Sox, but the, the two Ted Williams Triple Crowns were not the last in the history of baseball. Who hit the last one? Bonds? Just let you know, just, this, this is amazing. In the National League, it was 1937, and it was Duffy Medwick. Wow. Duff, you know, think of Ducky Medwick, Joe Ducky Medwick. In the American League, there was one in 1966. It was Frank Robinson. There was someone a year later. Who was it? Frank Robinson in the America, and then another guy, uh, Carl Yastrzemski. Yeah, he won in 67. That was the last guy to win it. Nice. And then uh, still, I think the most amazing stat I've ever heard in sport is the next year after Carl Yastrzemski won the Triple Crown, mm-hmm. he won the batting title in 1968, and he hit 301. Wow. The ball uh, was... enough, enough of that little crazy stats. But, yeah, the Triple Crown is rare. Think about the National League is 1937 the last time it happened. That's amazing. Obviously, Miguel Cabrera's in the yeah. American League. But it's 67, that's 45 years ago since the last time it happened. And then Robinson in 66, Mickey Mantle hit one in, like, 57. He had the triple crown. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Ted Williams did it twice. It doesn't happen very often no, at all. No, not many people talking about it. Just come into the – part of it's because the division races have been so tight and exciting here. But that's going to be one of the stories. Now, here's here's an interesting sidelight to it. It is possible. It is possible that McGraw Cabrera could win the Triple Crown and not win the MVP award. If the Angels make a run and Mike Trout keeps playing well, Mike Trout could get enough votes to be MVP, even though Cabrera wins the Triple Crown. It's not likely, but that's possible, Big Dunk. Yeah, because you got to figure all the Trout stats have happened since, what, about May 10th or so, Coach? Uh That sound about right? Yep. And for the first 40 games of the season, before he started playing, the Angels were horrible. And ever since Trout has been in the lineup, the Angels have one of the better records in the game of baseball, only behind the Oakland A's, who have been even better than the A's, the Angels, you know, mm-hmm. since uh, Trout, this, this whole time. Yeah, Trout steals bases. Trout steals bases. Cabrera doesn't. Trout, uh, Cabrera is a sh- you know, average at best defensive third baseman. No, no, no. He's a bad defensive. Third I was baseman. trying to be nice. Yeah. And Trout's better defensively, so that could that would be really weird. Guy wins the triple crown for the first time in thirty years. Sorry, you don't win the MVP, but thanks, thanks for showing up. Yeah, you were you were MVP to a guy that wasn't on the <laughs> roster on April thirtieth. You know, so uh, just to give you a quick idea here, wild card now the Yankees uh, won a doubleheader yesterday, so that gave yeah, me a little. Little bit of breathing room. Game ahead of the ball. I don't know how the Orioles did yesterday. It was a late night. Game. The Orioles won again, coach, and I'm, it was an in extra innings. They've won 15 consecutive extra inning games wow. this season. You do not want to mess with the Orioles because if it's a close game, they just know they're going to win somehow. They they sacrifice a bunt and somebody comes up with a huge hit. They they force a guy to make a throw. And the guy makes a wild throw, and the Orioles score. I, the Orioles, 
And the Orioles right now, you always you always cracks me up. I always get on you a little bit because you just rip relievers that blow a game, and I'm like, Coach, they were good 10 games in a row. And you're like, I don't care. They were bad last night. <laughs> well, you can't say that about Jim Johnson because Jimmy Johnson this year, he's only has five blown saves and 45 chances. That's freaking ridiculous. I mean, that's like the Mariana Rivera. If the Orioles get to the eighth inning with the lead, they've won this season. So basically. you say they won in 15 yesterday. No, 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 no. They won their 15th oh, extra, in, all right, so they won. extra inning game yesterday. Because Tuesday, Tuesday, they won, they, Tuesday they won an 18-inning game. Yep, and Jim Johnson touched the last inning, one, two, three. Well, last yesterday he was real tired, and he walked the bases loaded. But he still got out of it unscathed, and they and they uh, and they won the game. I, I, so Jim Johnson is the one guy that no one knows about. He is. I know Cabrera and Trout deserve the MVP more than Johnson, but Johnson would get votes from me. If you you know how you like you vote one through five. Mm-hmm. Right now, Jim Johnson would be my number three MVP in the American right. League. That's an amazing stat. Fifteen consecutive. Extra inning games. Jimmy Johnson, I never even heard of him before this year. I barely heard of him this year. It's been a, you know, it, it was a semi miracle season for the Baltimore Orioles all along, but uh, it's, it's the way they're playing now of late, pulling out some of these games. By the way, Tuesday's game, five hours in 44 minutes. No rain delay. Five hours and 44 minutes. 18 innings. And they win it with two runs. That was Tuesday's game. Yesterday they went in. And, and, and you could confirm it was an extra inning game last night, right? Uh, no, I can't. Okay, because I'm almost. I went to bed. It was in the ninth inning. Yeah, and it was one-one. So I'm assuming it went extra innings. That I, I first thing I did is I opened my phone up today and find out what the Orioles did, and they won. I'm like, that's 15 consecutive extra inning wins. Which is, if you consider when you head into extra innings, basically it's a 50-50 proposition, right? Yeah, for the most part. You, and basically, two. if you give the lead up, you lose. Yeah, two. Basically, I, I'm 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 multiplying the fractions here to give you the possibility: two, four. 8, 16, 32, 64, 132, 256, 512, 1,024. To win 10 in a row, the odds are 1 out of 1,000. When you get up to 15 in a row, you're, you're 1 in like the 50,000s, I think. Yeah, I, I like how you, you 64 ended up being 132. No, no, 64 to 128. Yeah, I know, but you said 132. And then you got... 256, 256 right. Okay. right. So I don't know how you got 256 yeah. right when you Talk. got 132 wrong. Talk to the Arizona Cardinals. I'll explain it for you. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. Oh, oh, one other team we got to mention, which has gone under the radar, but all of a sudden they've become Envision. I hold our producer, David Olson, responsible for uh, not, you know, giving me the background info to let me know this team's making a hard charger. I don't know where our intern staff is, but we haven't even mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers, big dog who were flopping around most of the season. They've won 22 of their last 28 suddenly out of the clear blue skies. They're two games off the pace in the wild card race. The Brewers are hotter than Hades. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I, I know you hate it, but there's like all trade deadline moves when you know teams give away their high-priced talent to yes. try to get some prospects for the future. I hate that. Well, when the Brewers did that this year, they started winning games. They, they gave away Zach Greinke. They... Yeah, and they go, well, our season's done. And guess what? All of a sudden, uh, they gave some young guys a chance, and yes. these young guys are playing. Excellent. And on the flip side, the Los Angeles Dodgers brought practically an entire new team in, and so far it's not working too well for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. They brought in all the high-priced talent. All of a sudden, 
Hammy Ramirez is done. I don't know what happened to him, but the guy who won a couple batting titles was had thirty thirty seasons, and now he can't hit two fifty, mm-hmm. and he's a bad fielder. I, I, that's that's one of the most shocking things ever. It's not like he had one good year. Like if Mike Trout ended up being an average or below average baseball season player next year, I'd be a little surprised, Coach. But it was only one year; it wasn't even a full year. Uh, Henley Ramirez was good for like five seasons. They give him like a six-year, hundred million dollar deal, and he hasn't done anything since. Anything? I mean, he's not only is he not a like, you know, if you hit two eighty with twenty-five home runs, you'd be like, wow, you're not a superstar anymore, but you're a good ball player. He's bad. He went from the best shortstop in baseball to a bad player after he got his $100 million deal. Let, let that be a lesson to the other owners around there. Maybe that will yeah. – I, I know it's not going to hold them back, but maybe it will limit the amount of ridiculous contracts. Have, 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 I'm a diehard Cup fan, people. and If you listen to this show, you know enough. I could care less about the White Sox. I don't care what coach says, oh, he likes the White Sox. No, I don't. <laughs> the, the White Sox are just one of 29 other teams in the league. I don't hate on them. Okay, I don't, Oh, I hate the White Sox. I don't care. But think about this. Jerry Reinsdorf has always refused to pay out their contracts. Yep. The White Sox perennially have good teams, and perennially they come up with, all these rookie players that are good, good, solid ball players, yep. year in, year out. And again, this year was oh, let's write the White Sox off. They got a rookie manager that nobody believes in. They didn't re-sign any of their high-priced pitchers. They let those guys go, and they've got nothing but a bunch of rookies. Mm-hmm. Guess what? All the rookies can play for the White Sox. Sometimes teams need to wake up, and sometimes you're better off getting hungry guys mm-hmm. that need something to prove instead of guys that have already proven it and have a $100 million contract uh, in, in the bank. And to add a little uh, ketchup to the uh, hamburger that you just laid on us, which is exactly correct, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf did break serve a little bit this year, or last year, and put out a five-year contract for a fair amount of money to John Danks, who looked like he wasn't going to be a superstar, but a solid bet, never gets injured, consistent young player, let's dish out some money. He broke from his rule, and sure enough, one quarter of the way through the season, John Danks out and has missed the entire year, and the Sox are still succeeding without him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right. Hey, two quick points we said we'd mention on our uh, Facebook release today, Big Dog. Uh, one is our movie review of The Three Stooges. I finally watched that, and two, I just heard this is, well, I don't know if it's disturbing slash entertaining, but apparently Monica Lewinsky at the age of 39, finally. 17 years later, he's going to be writing a uh, quote-unquote tell-all book on the Clinton-Lewinsky affair. I have no interest in that. None. And, you know, so many times, you know, when people have uh, a political vent opposite of somebody, they'll jump on anything. I I tapped so much butt when I was married. Who am I to point fingers at Bill Clinton? Okay. (laughs) Seriously, you know, honestly, yeah. and should, honestly, should the president of the United States be having sex with uh, interns? Somebody's nineteen-year-old daughter, no, twenty, twenty-two, or whatever it was. Twenty-two, oh, it was, it was, big that's difference. a big difference. Yes, no, he shouldn't have been. I could care freaking less. Yep. Okay, I could care less. I think one of her main complaints is that, and I'm, I agree with you, by the way, completely agree with you. I think one of her main complaints has been, and will continue to be, that he's never really owned up to it, and that he paints her as the provocator. Okay, when... well, that, that then she's right. That is BS. Yes. That is BS. You're the president of the United States. 
Yeah. Pretty much if some single girl is there getting all batty-eyed at you and you basically tell her, take your blue dress off yep. and let me take out the Garcia Vega. You know what? I <laughs> let, let, Let's be honest. It's going to happen. So she does have a point there. And he should have been a man and yep. been like, you know what? Hillary forgave me. Hopefully the rest of America can. Yep. I made a mistake. No, he I... never did any of that. And, 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 the, and as a president, and you get caught with your pants down as a president, mm-hmm. you need to make amends somehow. And should he have lost the presidency and all that other stuff? I don't want to get into all that BS, because just as long as the guy was sober and making pro-American choices as the, yes. as the president of the United States, yep. I'm, I'm all happy with yeah. You know, it's funny is everybody wanted him out of office because of uh, some girl gave him fellatio. Nobody wanted him out of office when he gave away a, a naval base to a Chinese businessman yep. who gave millions of dollars to his campaign. Yeah. You know, what's, what's, what's worse? You know, what's worse? A fellatio or giving away an Air Force base to a, a Chinese uh, mm-hmm. businessman? Yeah, I agree with that. And I always said, uh, and again, this book is going to bring back old memories, most of which we do not want to recap, but I always said, you know what, it was a situation where really publicly it was almost okay to lie because, you know what, my private sex life is none of your business, America. So I almost didn't have a problem with what I had a problem. What he should have done is instead of separating from Monica, he never had any conversations once the incident came, he should have privately found a way to meet with her and say, look, I apologize, feel terrible, boom, 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 that whole bit. Uh, I do not want this to come out. It's going to distract from everything else, blah, blah, blah. So we should have talked to her. But you know what? If there's ever a time to lie, it's to – it's to, it's basically you're lying because you're saying it's none of your business. Yeah, uh, I understand. I, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Not even just, sure just I understand. There's something to go there, though. I'm not mad at him for not apologizing face-to-face with Monica Lewinsky. They were two adults. Wait, you're not mad? No. Why not? No, no, no. Here's something. He was, because if he would have apologized, he only would have apologized because he got caught. No. If he would have apologized, either way, being like, here's like going back, you know, I took advantage. Yes. You That's were what an he intern. I was, I was the commander in chief. Yeah, what's wrong? What's, what's wrong with that? If he does that, yeah, but if it's just because he got caught, then no, it's not no, 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 not just because you got caught. No, you apologize for the whole incident. You explain to her. You have a talk with her instead of just completely ignoring her. So I can understand her upset from that particular point. At any rate, tell all book coming out, big dog. We'll make sure you get a uh, a copy. As soon as I don't. Possible. Linda Tripp, though. As long as they paint her as the person that was trying to benefit from it, then I think it's true. That, that whole time, it was like Linda Tripp couldn't be in front of a camera more, could she? Mm-hmm. No, but like I'm I said, here to represent Monica. Like I, I said, got bring... the dress. She told me everything. Oh, my goodness. That was like Back then, I was like, this is like the epitome of what's wrong with the United <laughs> States right now. I remember thinking that like when she was on the TV talking. All right. We got a football Friday tomorrow. You got work to do, Big Dog. Both you and me are uh, slip sliding away. It's early, but uh, we are struggling in the beat the schmoes football picks. We got some work to do. David Olsen. Uh, I, I you know what? I'm, I'm going to tell you this straight up right now. I don't care. I don't care. When I start watching football and then I can't pick games right, then I then I'll be worried. I mm-hmm. haven't watched anything. I'm literally last week I picked three games that I had no idea. Literally, I just picked three games that I didn't even care about, and just picked three games against the spread last week, and had no idea any of the one I went one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing this week. Well, 
Either way, it's been a, a rough, rough start. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, red hot at eight and one. He'll be making his pick. So we'll, uh, do that for sure tomorrow. Beat the schmoes. And I didn't get to my Three Stooges movie critique. Have you seen the movie, Doug? No, but like I told everybody, it would be a lot more enjoyable if you don't try to compare it to the original. Agreed. But having said that, I watched it as a huge Three Stooges fan and thought they did a superb job, the Farrelly brothers. They did an outstanding job of bringing back some of the old bits. You're right. Don't compare the guy. And all three actors, I thought you could tell they put a lot of study into matching up some of the uh, the antics, which are not easy, by the way, to uh, imitate. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie watching with my 16-year-old son, Dave. It was a father-son bonding experience. Oh, very good. Very yep. good. Yep. Thank I'm going to tell you the one highlight I saw before I knew it was a Three Stooges highlight. I laughed my butt off when the <laughs> nun got hit in that. Went in the head with a bell, and then Curly says, oh, the face really rings a bell. <laughs> By the way, the Fer- Farrelly brothers came on right after the movie, right after, to warn the kids. They showed how some of the tricks were done, particularly the poking in the eye, and they warned kids, do not try this at home. So they had to put that in, apparently, as well. All right. Doll, we got to wrap it up. Uh, you out on the river today? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm out on the river. Uh, come on out at 645. Uh, everybody to the Montgomery Ward building. You'll get a nice trip out. Half price if you come out tonight. 645 in the morning or evening? I got to go. <laughs> All right. Make sure you do your Arizona Cardinal homework for tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, everybody. Football Friday tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Two guys at a mic. 10 o'clock tomorrow. Show starts. Don't be late.